Welcome to the Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Wars The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 3, Chapter 11, titled The Heiress. Uh, you know how I know that? It's not by looking at Disney+, Plus, which does not tell you no. the names of any of these episodes, mm. except for Season 1 episodes, which, I mean, it's fair. You know, it takes a long time to go in, yeah. update those titles, like... Give them a season. Give them a full ass season. They, they they had they had their intern who was going to come in and transcribe those, add it to the system, and then COVID hit. It was, it's a lot of difficulties. A yeah. lot of a lot of things could go wrong. So it's up to me to look in the episode, make sure that I'm not writing any notes during the title sequence, which is otherwise in completely inconsequential. Uh, to pick mm-hmm. out the title, and it's called the heiress. Uh, <laughs> and this is all me, like tongue in cheek, apologizing for not knowing the title the first episode that we started this up <laughs> uh so yeah you got me uh thank you for pointing out that these titles are in the episodes aaron what'd you think about this episode it's a good episode of the mandalorian i liked my episode of uh you know mando and commander the mon cal chronicles yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh it, it i mean here's look this show is a saturday morning cartoon serial uh toy selling show cartoon Mm -hmm. with just a lot of style and some interesting twists and a huge budget and all the star wars lore to draw from so that's it's and on that basis every one of these episodes is going to be enjoyable on the other hand um you know every episode is going to have the mando to go wanting to do something and then someone says oh i can help you that but it's going to cost you you're going to have to help me on my mission. Mm-hmm. And then the episode will begin. So it's like that is the engine. That's the formula that makes this stuff work. Um, and but but yeah, that's the, the, I, I think there's things there are episodes that are really, really good and like next level. Like I think the first the season premiere was one of those things where it's like, God, that crate dragon battle. Yeah. And there's I some last kind of like was that I really enjoyed last episode. The spider battle. Uh-huh. Um, this one a little bit less so. Like I thought, yeah. I felt like um, these particular Mandalorians um, with their co- color coordinated outfits uh, gave me a little bit of like, especially in, in their penchant for man- manual hand to hand combat, especially <laughs> in the first half of the episode. Uh-huh. A little Power Rangery. Okay, but yeah. uh, you know, and some of the action is going to be very Saturday morning goofy. Like instead of some cool way to get out of situation, you'll just have a heroic character charging forward in invincible armor that chuck grenades three foot further than he could have i guess but it's fun baby yoda's really cute the mandalorian looks cool as hell uh, i'm sure there's like a procedure this probably in like clone wars episode yeah season 15 episode 9 it's it probably tells you exactly how is, is there like some electrolysis going on to color the beskar metals different colors like what did they do? Because as as I saw, they just melted down and shape it. Can can you yeah. make it green? Can you make it uh, blue? You make it bl- blue? How does that work? Sure. Uh, sharpies. Inquiring they color it over it, and then then every time they have a battle, <laughs> they have to resharpie it because boy, yeah. that just the, the turbo lasers just take that right off the Beskar. Yeah, permanent marker my the, ass. <laughs> <laughs> after the Empire collapsed, the sharpies are hard to get. Um, yeah. Oh that. yeah. You want those pre-imperial sharpies that really mm. can can stick to Beskar. Um, yeah, the, those the new Republic, Republic sharpies. They just don't. Yeah, have. they they banned the the dye that's based on the bones of Wookiee children. <laughs> that just really makes it bond, and it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's no good. 
not as not as effective. Uh, no, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think this episode was quite as enjoyable as the last two. Uh, but I really do love the language that the Mandalorian is building. Um, and, and it's building it with some cheesy things. Like, look, I don't really love when Mandalorians drop out of the sky completely unannounced with no real indication as to how they knew where Mando was, how they mm-hmm. like you know how they got wind of him in the first place like all those things mm-hmm. but with the mandalorians uh outside of mando they're really leaning into that language where the mandalorians are just a a group of of warriors who are able to drop in at any time uh to any situation and clean house and yeah, they got jetpacks man they're gonna use them yeah yeah death and, from above baby and like if you look back at the previous season and this season Every time the Mandalorians come in, it's they're they're drop troopers, right? They're just dropping out of the sky unannounced right. and kicking ass. And they're consistent with that. It works. It's it's good language of cinema type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I so I, I said that each episode might have like a clever uh, adult twist. I thought the one that really had me sitting forward and edge of my seat is to reveal that the Mandalorian is unwittingly a member of this like kind of seen by other Mandalorians as a hokey cult dude like like they're puritanical early American Christians uh you know doing Salem witch trials and shit I thought that was a really cool twist and I'm very curious to see how the Mandalorian struggles with that because it's clearly going to be a struggle you know he's got this way also it's a pathway for Pedro Pascal to get his face shown because clearly it's not intrinsic to being a Mandalorian that you can't you can't reveal your your head your your face I should say yeah <laughs> that's, that's the thing part. it's part of that old way right um and mm-hmm. that's the thing I, I guess when I went into the show I was thinking okay well the reveal more about the Mandalorian culture but I was thinking of it from more of like just telling the audience more about a culture that was unified and like you know destroyed by the Empire uh, stuff like that but it seems like there's gonna be political and religious fracturings of the Mandalorians. Which is cool. That's it adds so much nuance, so much interest to that culture that I guess I didn't expect from a show that, like we said, is basically a kid's Saturday morning cartoon in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, in Star Trek, you know, uh, what's a liberal Klingon look like? What's a conservative Klingon? What's a a moderate centrist Klingon look like? You don't know because as far as you know, every, every Klingon from Klingon is essentially the exact same goddamn person with the same creed, the same. I know there's, there's that it's slightly more complex in the weeds of star Trek, but like, yeah, like the idea that like, there's not, I just thought it's great. I thought it's a nice twist. That's something I'm kind of personally interested in as a, as a person who's had a similar realization about the culture I was born into. Uh Uh, I thought that was really cool. And I hope they continue to uh, find ways to bring that, like him wrestling with the concept of like, oh, God, what is it? What does it mean to be, you know, I'm a tribe of two. I could do I could do whatever the hell I want, you know, as far mm-hmm. as setting up a culture or uh, a creed. So that's that's exciting. That's exciting. Until Mama Hammer comes back and, and demands her Besker back. Yeah, that's uh, that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. We'll he gets, see. gets stripped of his uh, his his uh, horn patch no longer a tribe yeah. what would we do for a podcast we're no longer a tribe of two we're just the uh, uh the mandalorian podcast in exile yeah why not <laughs> all right you ready to get into the recap yeah let's do it we start off with mando piloting the razor crest in for a manual re-entry because his guidance system is busted he quite nearly lands it almost almost but i guess he just like 
one of those landing pads just kind of falls off into the water at the last second and the whole razor crest goes under. I thought it was hilarious. Like the Mon Calamari's reaction to it. Um, they have like little kid stakes where, you know, oh, the Mandalorian needs the frog mom to pull back on this throttle. But now baby Yoda's left alone with his eggs. Oh, is he going to horf some more? Um, yeah, I expected them to do more with that. They just kind of have her mm. glance back a couple times at the eggs, even though I thought she was going to have to like make a choice between holding the, you know, throttle back. I thought that she did. She braces at some point. She's able to brace both. But like I said, it's these are kid stakes, you know, like yeah. uh, it's uh, if there's a if, if you got your eight year old watching, they're genuinely gripped up about like, oh, we're we going to get to see baby Oda eat some more eggs. What do we feel about that? I mean, I'm um, cool that. But yeah, I, I thought uh, I thought it was neat. Um, now. They described this, uh, I looked it up on Wikipedia, that this moon of Trask is an estuary moon. Yeah. Do you know what an estuary is, Jim? I thought it was a coastal region, which doesn't make any sense given what we see. Yeah, it's it's a partially enclosed coastal body of brackish water with one or more rivers or streams flowing into it with free connections to the open sea. It forms a transition zone between river environments and maritime environments. How do you have an estuary planet? <laughs> where where are the rivers where are the seas like it's yeah. like how you have a whole planet is just a boundary zone between like let's say this is the beach planet mm-hmm. you mean a water planet no it's a beach planet you mean a desert planet with like some no it's a beach planet how much more can i it's a fucking beach planet like <laughs> uh, okay right all right this yeah it's an estuary planet best i could tell there was no land it was all like uh, you know uh these structures built uh, on top of the ocean. It's all estuary. It's an estuary planet. It's an ocean planet. Let's, a big let's estuary. not get it mixed up. It's an ocean planet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, maybe it's brackish. Somehow there's more fret. There's, there's a little bit less. Uh, it's not as salty as you'd expect from an ocean planet. Yeah, I, uh, maybe, maybe. Oh God, the mosquitoes. No thanks. Mm. Uh, yeah, I will say like. There are two really cool things here. A, what they're doing with the Razor Crest, it's basically the New Millennium Falcon, which it just keeps getting the shit kicked out of it. And by the end so, of this episode, God, yeah. it's strung yeah, together it's... with Mon Calamari spit and bungee cords, uh, literal no shit yeah. bungee cords and tarps. Yeah. Like, wow. One thing I've been doing for fun on Twitter is posting, um, like last week I posted a picture of uh, the... the um, the Winnebago from from Spaceballs. Uh-huh. This this week, I found another RV who's just it was in a very similar condition in terms of bondoing and bailing wire and stuff. And like I'm trying to find real world equivalents of the Razor Crest, but the Razor Crest has seen better days. Like, yeah, is this is this going to be the the thing of the season? Is the Razor Crest is just going to get beat up and kind of fixed and beat up and. Um, it seems like it, but when Boba Fett shows up with the Slave One, what's I mean, what hope would he he's have? Style. He's going to style on our Mandalorian here. It's going to be bad. Yeah, I think our hero is going to be saying uh, dank Farrick a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he says a lot in this episode. A lot of people do. Uh, yeah, it's fun. So, um, uh, Katie Sackhoff is here. Uh, are you uh, are you a fracking, fracking kind of guy or are you a dank Farrick kind of guy? Do you think dank Farrick can uh, overtake fracking? When it comes to fictional swear words, look, I'm I'm not I'm not an adherent to the old way. I think there's a place for both Dank Farrick and Fracken in this universe. 
How about Dank Fracken? Dank Fracken, hell yeah! Sounds like a sounds like a, a heavy metal band based out of South Dakota. <laughs> oh God, uh, I love the anyway when the Razor Crest is lifted out of the water. They've got this crane that's built out of like an old ATAT frame. So cool, which is another really cool bit of world building that they do. Like this is a post Imperial, like right after the the Imperial collapse. Uh, all of this stuff is being repurposed. It the attention to detail in that regard is phenomenal on this show. Yeah, sell off the sur- surplus stuff. Now I, I wonder if it because in um, Rogue One they introduced this concept of the cargo AT- ATATs, mm. like they just are like you know like uh like. Those those helicopters. Have you seen those helicopters? They're like the cargo helicopters, and it's just like a a cockpit yeah. and a tail, and it's just like completely cut out in the middle, so that it has a crane kind of thing. Yeah, I wonder if it's like a purpose built imperial like thing, or like what you said, it's surplus. Like, hey, you know yeah. what? We don't want these terror weapons anymore. Let's chop the top of them off, and people can weld whatever they do. And but it makes sense for an estuary planet that you need these big things to walk around and uh-huh. crane stuff off the ocean floor, recover stuff. Yeah, I guess the water doesn't seem too deep. I, you know what I would like to see is an ocean-based imperial vehicle, like because you're not gonna you're not gonna take over this quote-unquote estuary planet with a bunch of ATATs, right? Like that doesn't make any mm. sense in this terrain. So, what does an attack vehicle or a scout vehicle from the Empire look like, f- specifically designed for quote-unquote estuary ocean planets? Yeah, does the Imperial Navy? have an actual navy yeah <laughs> is is the question do they have boats because we know star star wars now has boats we saw one this episode i imagine there's some kind That's of light true. attack craft um you, you, although i i renew my objection to the concept of boats is that wouldn't you just have like an imperial attack cruiser just you know like just fly uh, but you can say the, the same of ATATs, right like what use is true. it to have something walking on the ground Oh, I guess here's the thing. Yeah, planetary shield. You get a water world with a planetary shield. You gotta you gotta land something to take it down. You need some boats. You need some boats. It's true. That's the case for it. So yeah, they they pull that uh, the razor crest out of the water. Mando pays Mon Calamari uh, worker to make it spaceworthy again. And Frog Lady's reunited with another frog person. I think it's her husband, right? That she talked about mm-hmm. uh, previously. Very happy to see that the eggs survived, or at least the ones that Baby Yoda didn't eat. And they point Mando to an inn where he can find other Mandalorians. And, and we see that someone is watching them from the shadows. Oh, a hooded lady. Is she Sith? She might be Sith. We'll find she out. Sith. We'll yeah. find out by the end of this episode. <laughs> um, And then they go to the inn. I thought, yeah. Also, Hungry Baby Yoda. We got we got to point out the, the cute stuff. Uh, I thought the frog couple is really cute. Like, even though we can't understand them, they speak the language frog. I thought the the way they're like, you know, hugging and kissing each other was really adorable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Baby Yoda being hungry, his hungry, wilted ears face is premium, premium Baby Yoda. It is. So they go to the inn and Mando bribes the bartender into giving him some info. Uh, he calls over uh, Quarren, who claims that he can take Mando to the others of his kind only a few hours away, and they set off. Do you know anything? About, did you know anything about the Quarrens before this episode, or do you know anything about the Quarrens after the episode? Uh, I mean, I, other than they are like their name and that they've been around Star Wars for a while, no. So they share they they're the species that co-evolved on Mon Calamari hmm. with the Mon Calamari, um, and. 
their big thing is canonically they're just kind of assholes. Like surly is a word used a lot with okay. them, and apparently they 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 share the piece on Mon Cal pretty uneasily with the Mon Calamari, maybe because they, it's not it's not called you know Calamari Corin or Corin mm-hmm. Calamari. It's just Mon Calamari. Like hey, we're here too, assholes. Yeah, but yeah, like one of the defining features going back to like the RPGs and stuff is the Corins are just kind of surly. They're just they just have bad tempers, and I thought that was. Um, definitely came across this episode. They're very oh, gruff, yeah. quick to uh, acts of violence and anger and whatnot. Um, so yeah. And I want to say this is the first time that certainly I've seen an ocean planet or an estuary planet. And so it was cool to see all of these, you know, the mix of like Mon Calamari and Quarrens and these frog people chose to live here because obviously they'd want to be uh, in an aquatic environment. Sure. It was just a neat change of pace. You know, we've seen deserts mm-hmm. and uh, jungles so many times. Although wasn't Camino where the the cloners live? Was that an ocean world, or did they just yeah, was that base on an ocean? You might you might be right about that. Camino might be because um, if you landed in Hawaii, you'd be like, oh my god, Earth is an ocean planet, and you're not actually that wrong. You know, Earth is pretty damn yeah. close to being an ocean world. So eh. yeah, I'm not I'm not certain if Camino is actually all ocean, but maybe it is. Uh, and you get this nice cute scene with uh, Baby Yoda trying to eat some gruel uh, or whatever passes for food in on, in Trask. I saw it coming out of the, t- the hoses. I'm like, what is this lumpy ass gruel? And it turns out uh, there's there's the there's living things in the gruel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like uh, Mando has to save Baby Yoda twice from food this episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Might be a recurring theme. So this trip uh, on the boat that they set off in turns out to be a trap and Mando and Baby Yoda are dropped into a mama core pit and Baby Yoda's eaten and then three Mandalorians show up out of nowhere, save them both. And to his shock, when they all take off their helmets, uh, which is something that doesn't happen in his world, uh, he asks what's up with that and they explain that he is... A child of the Watch, which is a cult of religious zealots who broke away from Mandalorian society with the goal of reestablishing the old way, uh, according to them. Do you know anything more about He's, this? Uh, well, I want to I want to talk about the the Mama Core real quick because okay. this is one of these new the WPMs per minute, the Wikipedia's per minute. This is a brand new uh, invented creature for the star Wars universe. Yeah. And I thought it sounded like some kind of aesthetic revolving around like moms. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, I'm into vaporwave mama core. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's all those, it's every single like inspirational message you've seen painted in a dining room, uh, on a dining <laughs> room wall. Pray, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's that's, <laughs> that's mama core. Mama core. Um, what were you, uh, uh, you ta- what are it's we that talking movie about mom and dad? As... We, we talked about how we just watched this, both just watched this movie, mom and dad with Nicolas Cage from like, Oh yeah. When the parents turn into zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their kitchen dining room area is so mama core. Hardcore, hardcore mama <laughs> core. Um, what were you asking about the, the Mandalorian culture or something? Yeah. Do you know anything more about, uh, this child of the watch, this cult of religious zealots? I or think is this stuff something... is this. I think this is all brand new. Now, I have started watching the Clone Wars episodes that uh, the, our, our lore historian uh, forwarded to us or mentioned that's uh, uh, season seven, episodes nine through 12. I'm halfway through that saga. Um, so far, no child of the watch. But I, I think there this is actually a new concept or we'd have heard about it before. The fact that there is some kind of um, and also 
this is a brilliant explanation for all the different takes on Mandalorians too. Because yeah. like this particular version of Mandalorian it was not something I'd been familiar with. And I know that there was a lot of, you know, we've seen Mandalorians from Mandalore, Mandalore royalty in this, these corner episodes uh, taking their masks off. So it's like, what the hell? You can't take your mask off. It's a neat explanation. Well, this is these are essentially, uh, you know, uh, Pentecostal uh southern baptist revival mandalorians that are are taking it back you know to getting rid of all the pagan influences on their mandalorian religion and going going mama core with it getting back to basics uh-huh. so i uh I, I don't know but i'm really looking forward to learning more about it me too yeah it's the most exciting thing of the episode for me uh the other thing that probably excites a lot of star wars fans people who have seen uh, Clone Wars, I think, is Bo-Katan. Mm-hmm. Bo-Katan shows yeah. up. Uh, Katie Sackhoff voiced the character um, in those cartoons, and then she's here playing this character again. Um, and as the air, the title heiress implies, she is uh, last of her line. She's kind of um, she's she's a Mandalorian royalty. Um, yeah, and, and as we find out whole, later in the there's episode. There's a whole back that's the thing getting to the clone war stuff there's this whole backstory with like she has an older sister who was the in line for the throne but she got killed somehow and she had a relationship with obi-wan kenobi of all people hmm. um like i said there's a lot of connections here that i don't fully understand but uh yeah she's a big deal big deal on mandalore this bo-katan yeah uh probably gonna be a pretty big deal in the show i would think uh but we'll see yeah. So, oh, I don't think this is the last we've seen of Bo-Katan. No, that 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 dark that uh, that Mandalorian artifact, dark saber thing that she's looking for. That's you know in the hands of the main villain this season. There's there's more to come. And the, the like the way they set this up is okay. There's three of them out here trying to steal weapons, but they make it pretty obvious that there's a lot more Mandalorians somewhere. Right? They're not oh, taking sure. these weapons and using them themselves to yeah to reunite uh to try and find this dark saber they're like distributing them to other mandalorians so if yeah. he ever needs and, and that's the shocking thing i guess at the end of this is he doesn't say well could you hook me up with some other mandalorians like i, I don't yeah. know i guess maybe he doesn't want that he just wants to find some, uh, some of y'all that don't take your helmet off like a bunch of savages no it is right, interesting right. this idea of like the mandalorian dias diaspora like there's uh-huh. this uh they're all in exile they're all some of them are living as bounty hunters some of them are leaning on the old ways and the old religion some of them are trying to get their home world back it's uh it's it's really fascinating and it makes the the world feel uh, bigger yeah and we'll talk more about it when we get toward the end of this episode just the just the, the uh, from a shot perspective, I love the scene of the Mandalorians blowing up the ship at sunset and jetting off like bottle rockets. I, I think that's uh-huh. a really really pretty shot by Star Wars standards. Sure. All right, so Mando arrives at his destination. I think, or maybe he goes. Yeah, he's got to go back to the port that they they left from because uh, he goes to the frog people later. Uh, the Corrin show up to try and kill Baby Yoda. And the other Mando's flying behind them, again, dropping out of nowhere, bail him out, uh, sit down for a drink with him. And they explain that they're stealing weapons from the port to try to retake Mandalore. They also dispel the myth that Mandalore is cursed. And he tells them about the mission he's on. And they agree to help him in exchange for help on their mission. Yep. That's what we call the hook. (laughs) Uh, And she says, I can lead you to one of their kind, which I'm assuming she's talking about Baby Yoda. Oh, 
Interesting. I thought she was talking about Jedi, but I I, I don't know. Um, oh, maybe. I. What did you think of Katie Sackhoff? I like I like her. I think she's. Great. I like her a lot too. Mm-hmm. I um, I'm. I, how long ago did Battlestar Galactica come out? Because I also feel like she hasn't aged a day. <laughs> It's got to be like 2006 or something. It's a while ago. Yeah, it's more than a decade ago. Um, yeah, but yeah, I thought I I thought she she makes a really really damn good uh, Mandalorian. 2004. That's when it wow. started. Wow. Ran so, for yeah. six years, uh, so like 2010 is maybe the last we saw of her in that. Because maybe if you wear a helmet out in the sun all the time, it's just like it, she, your your skin doesn't get you know she takes it off sure, but it's like just to have dinner and converse with people if you wear a helmet most of the time it's going to shield your face from the damage of the uv rays so it's true it's true so it's a, it's a, it's it's good recommendation good health and beauty re- regimen recommendation wear a helmet man <laughs> gonna have a baby face baby face oh yeah i'm gonna know. die at 70 not a not no, no crow's feet not at all good for him take yeah. your wins where you can get them you got to uh anything else on that or I don't think so. Yeah, okay. the 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 Mandalorians is wreck shop here again. A lot of hand to hand Mando combat. Mando a Mando. <laughs> yep. Uh, then they take Mando to a freighter where some weapons are being loaded, and they plan this ambush. Uh, so they they're gonna ambush the freighter and take the weapons. They're gonna wait till it goes out. Uh, to to like it's shit. What's what's the term for that when you're kind of taxiing out? Yeah. Through port? It's got to, it's got to be, t- and I, and I, and I was, I was thinking about like, man, does this make sense? And then when I saw it taking off and it's like making all these shock waves and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I guess that is kind of an asshole move if you're, you know, rocking the boats literally. But I'm like, how is this not an issue in any other port in, in any other planet? Yeah. Like if the backwash of a cruiser taking off is that intense, like why have we never seen ships taxi and, and be towed away from civilian populations? It does feel a little bit just so for this episode, but for sure. what are you going to do? It's an estuary planet. It's just, <laughs> est- it's all, ev- ev- the whole planet is a fragile ecosystem that uh, the new Republic, those bastards have, have regulated the hell out of. And now you can't just take off your ship and fly because it disrupts. The reason these frog people had trouble conceiving is because of all mm-hmm. the, the hypersonic uh, gravity waves and, and, and you know, the whole planet's an estuary. That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is just so, you know, they get a taxi out so far and then they can get out of atmosphere and then hyperspace jump. Uh, yeah, which that makes sense, right? You got to be out of atmosphere sure. before you hyperspace. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get there. Uh, Mando drops off Baby Yoda with the frog people uh, during his time on this mission, and Baby Yoda eyes these eggs, and he sees one that hatches. Yeah, I was wondering, like, um, you know, most people were like, uh, you know, didn't get out, been out of shape about Baby Yoda, the the little genocide committer. Uh, but I was wondering, it's like, it's going to be a whole other level of real if he just like swallows one of these babies whole yeah. like he would. And I, I kind of wondered, does this show got that in it? Does it is it going to be like is like is, is they're going to act comedy of like these parents being horrified that this this uh, little adorable thing is eating its children like they didn't. They didn't. Turns yeah. out they got along real nice. Really no, cute. I, I had a definite like the call is coming from inside the house moment when he <laughs> dropped baby Yoda off. Like you're putting yep. the killer in the house. You can't. 
I thought the yep. rest of the episode was going to be cutting back to the to him like sneaking out in the night, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. under cover of darkness to chow down on a few eggs. But Stuff they didn't really do those eggs in his face as he could. Mm-hmm. So the Mandos land on the freighter, but the captain is alerted to their presence, forcing them to fight their way through an army of stormtroopers. Uh, the captain decides he's going to try to make the jump to hyperspace early, but he has to get out of the atmosphere first and he begins climbing and it's a race against time. Yeah, they, um, you know, so much for the element of surprise. They surprise all the three stormtroopers, but it's yeah. probably more fun to watch these Mandalorians go commando than it is them sneaking around. Um, oh, yeah. And it lets them be kind of badass and infiltrate this thing under heavy fire. And there's a lot of fun things about like how badass the Mandos are. Like when you, you hear this fractured communication, like there's like got to be 10, 12 guys in here. It's a massive assault. And then the guys are scanned. There's only four life forms. And mm-hmm. oh, they're Mandalorians. It's 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 cool. Um, I, I thought that that stuff is really uh, cool. What did you think of the Imperial commander rocking the like non estuary fog world heavy tan <laughs> like i've never I, I seen like a tan think, imperial before yeah he must he must have been like j- he must have just made this run coming straight off of tatooine right like the, the double or, suns he's he's been basking in for the last couple of months on on leave or something yeah. Yeah. Or maybe his captain's quarters got like one of those Darth Vader chambers, except for instead of like a meditation, it's a tanning booth. Like, all right, <laughs> like locks together. And who interrupted my tanning session? <laughs> uh, yeah, because he's glowing. This oh, is yeah. a bronzed god compared to every other pasty imperial we've ever seen. It's true, very true. Uh, so Bogatan tells uh, they vent a bunch of people into into space but not into space like they're still in atmosphere is there a big enough pressure differential to suck somebody out of a ship in this um, scenario i well I so like sure. if you're so so th- when uh, some at some point in the dive that they make later on they talk about their bed like 10 12 000 feet i don't know maybe get a little vacuum going but also like if the ship is like at a 35 degree angle mm, and yeah. you, you bust open the thing i don't know maybe 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 Okay, that's it was fair. A they sick are shot. Yeah. yeah, like like these Mandalorians having these guys, like these Imperial, giving this like oh, we we got to hold this room at all costs until we hit hyperspace. Versus the reality of the Mandalorians just mowing them down, and this guy's pissing his pants and shut it all the door shut. Yeah, I thought that's pretty high adventure comedy Star Wars, and mm-hmm. then they all die. <laughs> they all get sucked out and they die horribly. Yeah, nobody just don't think about that. Yeah, uh, but yeah. and also. Stormtrooper armor is completely useless. Oh, like if yeah. this shit can't even seal, like if, if you're wearing a full helmet and like supposedly like this provides protection to partial vacuum and a flashbang takes you out, mm-hmm. just take it off. <laughs> go, go, go to war in a thong because it's doing nothing but encumbering your vision, man. Yeah. You think with all that Imperial stamped Beskar, they could have like made some decent armor. You know, like, look how much abuse the Mandalorian's armor takes. He's, yeah. He takes 50, 60, 100, 1,000 blaster shots. He's fine. Not a scorch mark on it. That best, I mean, that's, I guess that's why Besker's worth a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so, Bokatan tells the captain, we're going to take the entire ship, which surprises Mando. He feels he's lived up to his end of the bargain, but she says, I'm not going to help you out until we take the ship. And so, he goes along with it. 
She altered the terms of the deal. She did. I almost thought they were going to go for some Star Wars wordplay there, and they didn't, which is, that's fine. Yeah, maybe it's kind of stuff is too on the nose. Show yeah. a little restraint. Yeah, I think, I think I'm coming down on that side too. So, uh, Moff Gideon calls. You might remember him from the end of last season. Oh, yeah. Uh, he asked the captain about the situation on the ship. It looks like the Mandos are going to take it, uh, Mandalorians rather. So the captain dives back into the atmosphere intent on sinking the ship, killing everyone aboard. So is this like a fa- an offshoot faction? I mean, obviously it's an offshoot of the Empire because the Emperor is dead. But like, is this yeah. um, is this a, a, a Path of the Child or whatever version of the Empire? Like, is like there, it's this little bane, this little, no brother, they're expecting three corpses on the transport kind of. The flames grow higher, like, you know, a suicide cult. Uh, yeah. Bite down on a tooth and fry your brains kind of kind of outfit. Uh, ex, you know, I, I thought that was interesting because the Empire has always been kind of hardcore, you know, stormtroopers yeah. mentally conditioned to serve the Empire of unswerving loyalty, et cetera, et cetera. But this, this is pretty hardcore. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely like a power vacuum. Like you look at the state of the rebels, uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi, right? They're not equipped to Mm-mm. take over the duties uh, of the entire galaxy. So, because like, the Empire had so many planets under its control, um, I guess like oh, you just say, "Hey, we're opening it back up," and now the New Republic is going to kind of be an umbrella uh, thing over the top of that. But we're not going to need the strict enforcement and everything, all of the infrastructure that the Empire had, because we're not going to be those kind of people. Um, well, especially since I think in the new understanding of the canon is like all that stuff that, you know, where they had a new Republic and Leia was the president and everything was kind yeah. of peaceful. Like that's gone. Like, I think right. you've got 20 years of constant civil war. Um, it seems to the, like to it, the extent yeah. that some of these, some of these Imperial factions have got the, you know, now the legitimate government's the resistance somehow. Yeah. So, uh, the Mandalorian seems like they're advancing that they're like this get the galaxy had no peace between indoor, uh, the fall of the death star to at indoor and, you know, the, the end of the, uh, the final, uh, force Awakens series. What was that called? Jesus. Uh, return of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Rise, yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah, the whole galaxy's just been just been having a had uh, having a hard time. It seems like it, which makes me wonder, you know, how much the the rebels are really going to have uh, luck changing the galaxy after that too, because they're in a roughly similar position. Um, well, it's called Star Wars, Jim, not Star Peace and Security. So true. Um, it's bad sign for that galaxy. Bad news. We're, we're, we're yeah. 10,000 years of peace and security, and we, we just started tuning in in the, in the bad part. So It's true. Uh, so to get them off the ship before they all die, they have to get to the bridge. Um, or at least, you know, Bo-Katan's not leaving until they do. So Mando takes a bunch of laser bolts to his armor, and he uses his thermal detonators to blow up a bunch of stormtroopers. They make it to the bridge just in time to get the captain to pull the ship up. Uh and then Bo-Katan demands that the captain take her to Moff Gideon so she can get her Darksaber back. He kills himself instead. And then Bo-Katan invites Mando to rejoin them sometime in the future and tells him to go to the city of Kaladin on the planet Corvus to find Ahsoka Tano. The forest world of Corvus, which is uh, some kind of Latin for crow. I wonder if that's going to be important. 
It's probably just going to be like a nature preserve, right? Like that's the of forest crows. planet here. <laughs> yeah. Like right, this right, is the right. estuary planet, then the forest planet's mm-hmm. just like an, an arboretum or something. Yeah, <laughs> on a desert yeah. planet. I don't know. Yeah, um, I thought the imperial. I, I alluded to, but that imperial's suicide tooth that like just fried his brains with electricity. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, they do an um, effect like uh, the emperor blasting you with ele- his electrical powers, right? Like, yeah, you could see the dude's skull is pretty pretty slick. It's cool. Um, and, uh, you know, there's like, I, I thought, uh, you know, we talked about how the Mando had this culture shock, but the one thing they're able to agree on at the end is like, you know, your bravery will not be forgotten. It is mm-hmm. the way like Mandalorians, when you get down to it, can still agree that, you know, random acts of bravery and violence is pretty fucking cool. Pretty sweet. Even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, like his last stand to again, <laughs> you stagger forward 16 feet to throw a thermal detonator when I just saw you roll three of these like 30 meters as seen before, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. seems kind of kooky, but, uh, well, he had two Besker folks. He had, to, he had one in each hand. So maybe. Did, so the other thing I thought is like they had access to all these cool Mandalorian weapons, like these heavy repeaters and blasters and stuff. I thought that would be a much bigger part of retaking the ship, but it was just like, you know, Mando doing, taking, take, tanking a bunch of shots and throwing some balls. I, as far as I know, the Mandalorians did not take any of the weapons from the crate. I thought that was odd. I was really expecting yeah. like, oh man, like, um, yeah, cause like, this is very video game-ish. Like, uh, you level up, you know, the baby Yoda's, right. uh, pram got destroyed. He gets a new one built by the um God and it's got armored shielding and all that stuff. And this one got destroyed now by the mama core, and he's probably going to get a new one. It's going to have a manipulator arm or maybe blasters. So the <laughs> oh, no. baby Yoda can be a more active part in things. But I thought this was going to be like, oh, now the Mando is going to he's going to have his disintegrator rifle. He's going to have his quick draw pistol. And now he's going to have like an ion grenade launcher or some shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't get that. Unfortunately, he's going to he's going to get with those mech suits that Snowball gets in Rick and Morty. <laughs> Yeah, baby yeah, Yoda, go. <laughs> freaking power armor, Mexi. full on, full on baby Yoda power armor. Yeah, um, I, I do think that like if you want to know more about Bo Katan and maybe where the story is going for, I do, I, 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 you know, and you got Disney Plus, obviously, it's got the whole Clone Wars. You just go to season seven, uh, episode nine through twelve, and and that's the the meat of that story. And it kind of starts in the middle of the action, and you got to take a couple things for granted. But you know what? You kind of did in Revenge of the Sith, like mm-hmm. oh, oh, Obi Wan and. And and uh, Anakin are just best friends now. Yeah, like it, it's that kind of like oh, it feels like I should know more things, but you, you'll figure it out. It's it's not a big deal. Um, but it might be good homework if you want to really get get into the dark saber, uh, Mandalorian and in, in exile lore. It's it's a good place to start. And if you haven't actually watched any of that stuff and you've only seen the mainline movies, um, you are minorly familiar with Ahsoka Tano. Uh, Ahsoka Tano is a, a Jedi who was trained under Anakin Skywalker, went into hiding when the Empire came to power and then joined the rebels. And eventually she was one of the spirit, the Jedi spirits who talked to Rey as she was fighting the Emperor, uh, Darth Sidious, at the end is that in true? Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, she's one of the voices who spoke to her and encouraged her to get back up. So Interesting. I've only seen that movie once. Same here. So same here. But apparently, like I've read this obviously on Wikipedia. Like, ah, gotcha. I, I gotcha. didn't know that off the top of the dome. But yeah. So no, that's cool. Minor link to Ray and the movies, and we'll we'll see more of her probably next episode. Maybe one after that. I don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I thought it was cute that Baby Yoda loves the frog babies. Uh, and the the frog baby loves baby Yoda. We had a ba- okay baby frog, baby Yoda, cute off. And like when their tate separated, they both were squeaking and squealing for each other, like they were like best friends already. That was All cute. right, I wasn't sure if Yoda wanted to baby Yoda wanted to eat the thing or be friends with it. I wasn't. I it was I scary. I thought so too. On my second watch, like I, I I wondered if it's like you're supposed to realize that, but then the second watch, I noticed that the baby frog was kind of making it was trying to get the baby Yoda too. Like no, yeah. they actually had. A lot had, had a, uh, some kind of friendship. So I thought that okay. was cute. Uh, I also love like the Mando um, bailing out of the freighter and like skydiving until he activated his jet is such a cool. I, I love ha- him having the jet pack. Yeah. Um, it really adds a lot of dynamicism and uh, it also allows him to do a lot of cool death from above type stuff. But gosh, it's just give me Rocketeer vibes. I love it. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. Um like I said, Mando jumps out of that freighter. He goes back, picks up Baby Yoda, who's playing with that tadpole. Uh, he goes to the port where Mando's not super happy about the state of his ship, but he pays anyway. And the ship barely flies now. It's it's a bumpy ride is an understatement. Uh, and then Baby Yoda eats this squid creature that's stowed away on the ship. The poison head crab. Uh, I like how they f- they film it like it's... Uh, that's No, that's not what it really is, but I thought okay. that's what it looked like. like a Half-Life 2 or a Half-Life kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it's slithering and you, you like I, I the whole time it's happening. I'm like, well, they're playing a bunch of scary music, but one of two things is going to happen. Number one, Baby Yoda just eats it because that's the funny, you know, that's the funny thing. Or Mandalorian's going to kill it. Turns mm-hmm. out I was both right. Mandalorian uh, crushes it. And then you, you like three seconds later, you cut back to Man- the, the Baby Yoda finishing it off, uh, yeah. which I thought. And I love the line where I, 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 I love this Mon Cal guy because. You know, the Mandalorian's like, I gave you a thousand credits and the guy just passes like, just just sign here. Yep. Get the fuck out. And then when he gets into his ship, he sits down and goes, Mon Calamari. Unbelievable. Which as, as a Star Wars fan, I thought it's funny because like I have positive associations with Mon Calamari, you know, yep. Admiral Akbar, real stand up dude, hero of the uh, New Republic mm-hmm. of the Rebellion. Uh, but here, apparently, maybe maybe Mon Calamari are also famous for being a, a ripoff artist when it comes to fixing up your ship. Apparently, I, I don't know. This this is one of the most fun things for me is just to see how the Razor Crest is changing. And I like this is almost like a marketing thing where you could or whatever a, a plot to sell toys or something. You oh, could yeah. sell the different stages of the Razor Crest, and, and I would be totally cool if by the end of this series. The Razor Crest was unrecognizable. Like, has you know uh, different engines? Yeah, it's got the engines off a of star dest- like an engine off a of star destroyer or something strapped to the back of it, and its old engines are gone, and they're replaced with laser turrets from you know the Millennium Falcon from those. Uh, Absolutely, uh, I don't know. You you could do so much with this and go so far down that road. I would love to see that. I would too. And I reminds me back in the day, um, I know they sold TIE fighter and X wings where they had decals where you could, you could, um, out of the box, you could make it into like a pristine X wing, or you could like put decals that made it look like it had scorch marks and battle damage. Nice. Uh, on its side panels and whatnot. And I, I, you could do that at the razor crest pretty, pretty easily. Oh God. They could make a whole set. I mean, you could make a great Lego set from that where you can reconfigure they, it in any form just before. Just before we sat down to record, I noticed that they have a Razor Crest yeah. Lego set that looks really fucking cool. That one's pretty badass. Assemble uh, it as battle damaged, or you mm-hmm. can just do your own. Like, you know, it's Lego. Hey. True. 
don't put it make sure this make sure this kit doesn't have any right angles in it because yeah. nothing is hanging straight or working correctly get a get a tantive four model and strap an engine yeah. to the back of it why not yeah 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 <laughs> that'd be sweet uh but that's it that's the episode uh, pretty good. I love also the 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 way the Razor Crest hyperspaced out, and then a single panel of it fell right. off and like twisted in space. Like perfect. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, well, that's it for the episode. Let's talk about a feedback. We got uh, a couple to consider. Mando at baldmove.com is how you get your hyperspace transmissions to us. First up, Eric in Nashville said, "You guys are talking about how you thought it was cool in the latest episode that they were roasting the uh, crate dragon meat on a spit." over what looked like some sort of pod racer engine. We are a big Disney World family and have been to the Galaxy's Edge at Hollywood Studios. And in there is a little restaurant called the Ronto Roasters, where you can get a Ronto wrap. That is exactly how they want you to believe they're cooking the Ronto meat. Nice. Of course, it's all for show and theming. But when my family is sitting down watching the episode, we thought for sure it was a nod to that. I've included a couple of photos of what it looks like. I think you're right because the mouse does one thing: cross promotion and and uh, world building. And uh, the picture should just yeah, there's a big hunk of meat. There's a engine over it cooking it, and there's like a little uh, recommissioned battle droid, kind of like turning the spit, like animatronic style. Awesome. I, I yeah, when COVID all blows over, I would yep. love to get a chance because like this thing kind of debuted and then the country went on lockdown. Um, but I. Definitely want to go and check it out because it does look cool. Yeah. So it looks should, like a real treat for Star Wars Together fans. and go do that. That'd be fun. That'd be super fun because I know my kids with a child to go down there too. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, thanks for sharing it with us, Eric. Moving on to Renee. Uh, last episode, Mando says, may the force be with you. And the X-Wing pilot responded and also with you. Is it me or is the first time and also with you has been uttered by a Star Wars or uttered in a Star Wars thing? I've heard it said amongst friends and on the internet, and I've said it myself um, as it's a funny homage to the Catholics, may the Lord be with you, and also with you, but I've never heard it in an official Star Wars since. Um, I feel like that Han and uh, and Luke and like Han and Lando exchanged a couple made a force be with yous. But I don't think it was yeah, with... I- and mm-hmm. also with you is more like that, that, right, you right. or you too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that uh, also with you has been used before, but definitely I have the force may the force be with you has been used a lot. Yeah. I wonder if, um, cause it makes sense like after the war and like the, you know, you had a prominent Jedi that was like the hero of the rebellion. I wonder if like um, as hard as the empire worked to stamp out the religion of the Jedi, I wonder if it's like really resurged. Hmm. Uh, kind of like we're seeing, like, you know, there's a little, you know, in the last 10 years or so, there's been a re- resurgence of kind of hippie culture, like crystals and healing and horoscopes and whatnot. Like, uh, it's a cultural cycle that's come back around. So now the Empire has fallen. It's cool to be with the Jedi. Because, like, what is a... And also, I guess it's like the man... Okay, so, like, the Mandalorian doesn't believe in the Force, right? But I imagine, like, uh, New Republic x-wing fighters would kind of be up on you know a big part of the force because it seemed like they the 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 rebels really leaned into that as counterculture to the imperials yeah i mean if if they're gonna lean into that they've been doing a lot with like making more jedi you know when the original trilogy aired you were like oh the last of the jedi Mm -hmm. is not you know ray or or whatever it's yoda uh, he's literally the last, like the only one left. And when he died, it was a huge thing. Um, and and Luke had to become 
you know, this Jedi to to keep that going. But now they've just thrown in a whole. There are there are Jedi everywhere. Like Ahsoka Tano's been out there. Like there are Jedi all like scattered all across the galaxy. We just didn't know about them. Yeah, yeah, tons of Jedi out there. They're just not making themselves known. (laughs) The mad clone Jedi or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there's, yeah, there's a, a, that's what we found out in Expanded Universe. You turn over a rock in the galaxy and there's a Jedi hiding there. Yeah. Kind of made them less special. Um, kind of, yeah. But also more capable. Like, you could believe that the Jedi could have influence again if there were more of them. Sure. Because it just yeah, being they, Luke was kind of right, disheartening. Right, right, Gotta get that thing started up again. Uh, Britt B says, hey, guys, your Star Wars knowledge exceeds my own. Well, we'll see about that. Oh, and these boy. last few episodes have had planet hopping and the time it takes to travel through space and atmosphere. Could you expound upon the following questions? Am I correct in understanding that hyperspeed is nearly instantaneous and allows preset routes through the galaxy? Or does it take longer to hyper jump to somewhere further like Tatooine, which is on the edge of the galaxy? I think that latter is true. I think it takes longer. Yeah. It's not instant, but it. Definitely speeds it up significantly. But, but but Star Wars hyperdrive is way faster than almost any other science fiction universe's speed. Like you, could, the Millennium Falcon can get from uh, where did the, the Alderaan at the core of the galaxy to Tatooine, uh, or from Tatooine to Alderaan in a, a matter of hours, if not days. And mm-hmm. like, uh, like, like Wikipedia talks about, like maybe slow civilian freighters taking a month or two to try to, to go across the galaxy, whereas like a very fast ship like Han Solo could circumnavigate the galaxy in like a week or so. And there's 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 two main things, the speed of the hyperdrive itself and then like the sophistication of your hyperspace computer. Because yeah. like, you know, you got this, the power of the engines can propel you through hyperspace faster, but you also have the, the, in hyperspace is all about like, you have to dodge huge gravity wells. Like one of the ways you can pull a ship out of hyperspace is these interdictor cruisers that can simulate a gravity well, and it triggers the, the hyperspace computer to shut down. So if you, the more sophisticated of a hyperdrive or a hyperspace computing system, you've got the closer it can plot you to those gravity wells. So instead of taking this very circuitous path, you can go like a much straighter path. If you have a, a sophisticated drive, which is why so those in the two together original series when, or the original movies, when Hans describing how fast he can make the Kessel run, he uses a unit of distance to measure it. Right. Instead of it's a, a unit of time path. Yeah. 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 There's like tons of different ways to, that they've explained that over the years, but that's right. And that's why the hyper, the million Falcon's like the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. It has like way oversized, engines and also it has like this insane system of like seven droid brains wired together in series it's like all slapdash but it's like a, you're supposed to it's like it's a hot rod it's a chopper right yeah um so i think that's that 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 gets you most of the questions now the other burning question you have which i don't really have a great answer for is uh how do do we know how fast a ship travels if it forgoes hyperspeed and mainly travels through space no. i even at near light speed, it would take so long to go from one planetary system to, well, from one solar system to the next that a lot of times, um, you know, like, for example, you got the situation in the classic series too. Empire Strikes Back. Han gets dumped um, in uh, right, right. The Millennium Falcon gets dumped in space with a non-functional hyperdrive in the Hoth system. And the closest system is the Inoat system, which has the gas giant Bespin. He's going to go there. 
how long did it take? Like, how long did it take for them on sublight to get there? You don't really know. Like, Luke Skywalker was training with Yoda the whole time. Probably a few months. Somewhere between four weeks to six months, right? Is probably how long it took him to travel. Mm-hmm. But that's not like, but, but I don't know. Maybe is the Star Wars galaxy denser than ours? I I, I don't know. Because um, it doesn't seem like it makes much sense that you could go from one star system to the next to sublight. So you kind of got to, was yeah. he f- taking this frog to an interstellar system uh, or intrastellar system? In which case, why would he want a hyperdrive to there? Like, just fucking drive, man. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like any. I, I think they said it was one one sector over, which a sector is pretty big. I, yeah, I would think it's anything. If you don't have faster than life, light speed is a is a is a is a long ways away. And when we were, we were talking about like cosmic distances, so I think some of this is that you got to it's sci fi fantasy. You got to yeah. lean on the fantasy a lot. Uh, they also ask if you don't count the Force Awakens. Uh, starships must descend into the atmosphere from space after they've left hyperspeed. Is that because in, yeah, they, they could jump the hyperspeed within a planet atmosphere, which one of the many times the new sequel series blew my fucking mind as a star Wars nerd. Yeah. Um, how long do you suspect would take to travel from one planet to the next using hyperspeed? The bottom line is hyperdrive. Yeah. Hyperdrive travels at the speed of plot. If, (laughs) Uh-huh. If you need if you need to make your battle by at the last minute, you're going to make it. If it if you need it to take six weeks, well, oh wow, this plant this space is full of uh, globular clusters and black holes, and you got to really take this like crazy labyrinth path. It's like it's it's whatever you need in the plot. So yeah, this is not the expanse. Like they're not sweating those no. kinds of details. <laughs> No, we're not. No, this is not anything like this. This is very sci-fi fantasy. The rule of cool is law and you just don't don't try to worry about it too much. So um, but that's I think that that's the way to understand it's it's ultimately how fast a plot needs it to be. And also the bullshit technical manual stuff. I I think we were able to communicate to you. So thanks for the questions, Brent. If you have some questions about the Mando or some comments uh, or just want to leave feedback otherwise, it's easy to send us a note, mando at baldmove.com, or you can discuss each episode on our forums, forums.baldmove.com, with your fellow fans. That's it for us with The Mandalorian. We'll be back next week to see what the exploits of Baby Yoda. Maybe we'll get some more Baby Frogs. Uh, you know, maybe a baby Mando is baby Yoda. Now, <laughs> baby Mando, I couldn't imagine a baby Mando. Why not get a foundling, put a helmet on it. Done. He is. a f- Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I, I wonder if that's where they're going. Like, are you going to have like uh baby Yoda and a little hat with ears and, you know, being trained? He gets his backpack like, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Season 23 of the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian dies and, and baby Yoda takes his mantle. Uh, oh, that's what with, I'm here with for. His, uh, his little pram thing busted. Could could we see a jetpack with a built-in pouch for Baby Yoda? Oh Is my that god! Possible? Yeah, yeah, like a little uh, like um, a double decker thing. You know, mm-hmm. Like what uh, what what Yoda used to ride Luke. You got backpack Baby Yoda. Exactly. Or is it the chest sling? Is it like okay. you know? It's like you, you got you got him uh, the baby carrier. Just he's hanging out front. He takes a, a lot of that shots way. to the chest. Yeah, he takes a lot of shots to the chest. And but on the other hand, uh, Baby Yoda's feet going to be next to the hot thrusters. That scares me. <laughs> it's true. Build that thing out of asbestos or whatever the Star Wars non-cancer causing equivalent would be. Hyperfiber. Yeah. Um, 
We'll see. Carbo steel. Carbo steel fibers is what you want to weave that out of. If that's, that doesn't exist, someone put it in Wikipedia. We'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.